Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Hey, I want to personally invite you to our first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's a conference at the Outcomes Rocket and the IU Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences has teamed up on. We're going to put together silo-crushing practices just like we do here on the podcast, except it's going to be live. With inspiring keynotes and panelists to set the tone, we're conducting a meeting where you could be part of drafting the blueprint for the future of healthcare. That's right. You could be a founding member of this group of talented industry and practitioner leaders. Join me and 200 other inspiring health leaders for the first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's an event that you're not going to want to miss. And since there's only 200 tickets available, you're going to want to act soon. So how do you learn more? Just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference. For more details on how to attend, that's outcomesrocket.health/conference, and you'll be able to get all the info that you need on this amazing healthcare thinkathon. That's outcomesrocket.health/conference. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. I welcome you to go to outcomesrocket.health/reviews, where you could leave a rating and review for our outstanding guest today. His name is Peter McCaffrey. He's a biodesign fellow at the Texas Medical Center Innovation Institute and a TMC Innovation Institute. And uh, he's doing some really great things. He's a physician, a data scientist, a medical informicist, an entrepreneur who believes that data fluency and artificial intelligence have the power to heal healthcare and the lives of patients it serves. He's doing some amazing things. His background is a, as a physician in clinical pathology from the Harvard Medical School. And he's just got some really passionate uh, beliefs and is doing what he believes through his passion in this program. And I wanted to introduce this amazing gentleman to the podcast. And so, Peter, I wanted to welcome you. Thank you, Saul. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, so maybe you want to fill in any of the gaps here that I may have introduced in your, in your intro. Sure. No, you did, you did a great job. I, uh, as an interesting trivial fact, I come from a humanities background. <laughs> I don't have formal training cool. in computer science, uh, which we can get into later. I think that gives a different kind of a unique perspective when you approach those kind of skills a little bit later in life and how you use them to find value. But I've been involved in both uh, operations analytics and healthcare analytics, as well as bioinformatics. So I've kind of done a couple of different things and had, uh, had three companies in the past I've been involved with. So a lot of interesting uh, war stories to draw from. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I'm excited to go through that. Never a dull moment with Peter McCaffrey, ladies and gentlemen. And so, Peter, that's pretty cool, the humanity side. I also, well, my, my undergrad is in uh, classical humanities. What was yours? Oh, wow. Um, I was uh, English literature and uh, philosophy. I love it, man. <laughs> and, and everybody's always like, why? How, what, what, what did, like, why? How are you in healthcare? And so that lends very well to our next question, Peter. What got you into the medical sector? Yeah, that's a great question. So I started out deliberately not wanting to be in healthcare. And I was in, in high school. I, was, I wanted to be a musician. I was more of a creative type. And I was always told, um, this will probably resonate with you and perhaps some of your listeners, that you know, I, I was always told that there is this split, you know, that people who are creative do arts and people who are mm -hmm. quantitative do science. And they're kind of just separate things. But I can testify that's not so true. You know, I got into humanities because I just, I liked it and it seemed open-ended. But what it really teaches you how to do, I think, is to think about things. Mm -hmm. uh, philosophy as well, uh, literature, you know, you, 
your skill is, in, is analyzing stuff. And so it was with that joy of doing that, loving that kind of thing that I had, I decided to try a couple of healthcare experiences, you know, shadowing. I went on a couple of uh, medical mission trips and, and I, it really struck me that uh, healthcare when approached the right way is a really analytical field. You can be creative. It's not just number crunching. So seeing how I could add my interest in analysis with impacting real people's lives, I thought this is great. And I haven't looked back since. <laughs> it was a good decision to go into it. That's awesome, Peter. And, and I love the way that you um, just kind of laid that out. You don't necessarily have to, if you're artistic, you don't have to stick with the arts. You could go into science and you're a great example of that. And I never thought about it that way. You know, we spent a lot of time analyzing Greek literature and like you have to, in order to make sense of it, you have to be analytical. Yeah, absolutely. You have to formulate arguments. You got to put evidence together. You got to make conjectures. You have to articulate them. And just like you should do in, in many things. That's so cool. So really glad. And, and listeners, I know you remember we had Juwan Kim from the TMC Innovation Institute. She and Peter, as well as a couple other folks are working on their company there. And so Peter, thank you so much for making the time to be on here. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This you is, know, yeah, it's fun. So, so tell us a little bit about what you guys are working on, Peter. I know the episode with Juwan, we launched it. She was talking about kind of how they, you guys narrowed into an idea. So maybe yeah. you could take us a little bit more into what you guys have uh, evolved into. Absolutely. So the two-second recap of kind of how we got here is that the, as Biodesign Fellows, we spend a year, July to July, identifying unmet needs, prioritizing and validating them, finding one, and then start trying to solve that basically. And the needs that kind of bubbled up to the top for us, both because they're important, but because we, we liked them and thought they were interesting and a mixture of a lot of things, were really precision medicine oriented needs. And so we kind of focus on the problem of being able to identify patients who will respond better to cancer therapies, kind of a, as, our, as our first problem, but yes. we, we solve it in a way that uh, we may have the ability in the future to help patients respond better. So it's, it's predictive we can also do therapeutic things. And we do this through a focus on basically DNA analysis using machine learning. Super interesting. And this is a hot topic. Yeah. A lot of people are talking about precision medicine and you've right. had several guests talking about it. What are you envisioning, Peter, will be, this is a hot topic, right? This is what you're, what you're thinking is the hot topic. So how are you guys addressing it differently with your company? And yeah. what are the outcomes that you could potentially get from what you're doing? That's a fantastic question. So traditionally, and this is kind of near and dear to me as a, as a pathologist, you know, traditionally we thought of cancer as these big buckets that were kind of largely defined by what things look like or where they came from. Mm -hmm. You have a lung cancer, you have a skin cancer, you have a kidney cancer. And we're realizing that's not really accurate. Your cancer is very personal. It's very unique. It's really described by a whole lot of measurements about it, genomic and what they look like and what your history is. So our kind of unique angle on that is that uh, recent research has shown kind of yet another angle through which cancer can be looked at and through which its behavior can be described. And that's through what's called the gut microbiome. I, I can get into that in a second there, but we look at these bacteria that live in patients' guts that, that basically do things to the patient's immune system, do things to drugs that they take. Yes. We look at the DNA of those bugs and we say, what's going to happen to this patient with their drugs? Can we change that microbiome? Can we make them do better? Can we achieve better efficacy for more people? 
So you guys are looking at, and that's fascinating, right? I feel like there's been a surge of focus in the microbiome. And now you guys are taking a pretty cool shift here in precision medicine for oncology. What specifically are you guys doing? Can you get into some of the specifics on how you guys could improve outcomes there? Absolutely. So it's kind of an interesting story in the way where we look at this problem. Cancer care has changed a lot in, in a lot of ways. It used to be scalpels and radiation and generally kind of poisonous chemos, and, and that still exists in large part. Then you had all the targeted therapies people came out with and the antibodies against certain things. And now kind of the new, I guess, pillar or the new domain of cancer care is largely what, what they call immuno-oncology. And what's okay. interesting about immuno-oncology is you you're trying to use the patient's own immune system to actually attack cancer. So you're basically facilitating the immune system to go and do the work of finding the cells and eating them up and suppressing the tumor as it goes forward. So it's this kind of new wave of using the immune system as a weapon against cancer. The microbiome, it turns out, plays a big role in how your immune system will behave. Uh, so what these bugs, what they are, what they do, how they act, how they interact with your gut teaches your immune system basically to behave a certain way, makes it active, makes it inactive. So we basically are an immune system profiling tool that allows you to make the patient more responsive to these immunotherapies. Fascinating. Fascinating. And I'm assuming you're you're taking samples from the gut. Like how are you guys taking the samples? Yeah, it's a good question. So we we use fecal samples. So, uh, you know, the gut microbiome is one of the very easy things to sample about a patient. You take stool, which has billions of microbial organisms in it across thousands of different species. And you, you basically isolate all the DNA from that stool. Yes. And this is just like a soup of DNA from all these organisms, the whole system in one sample, and you sequence it. And you end up with this just massive data dump of fragments of DNA from thousands of species of microorganisms that are all doing different things in an ecosystem. And you try to figure out from that who's there, what are they doing? How do they relate to one another? And what of these functions that they might do in this patient is driving their disease or driving their response? And we rely heavily on machine learning to do that, particularly in neural network and artificial intelligence uh, analysis of those data to kind of get those patterns. But it's really pattern recognition of this very kind of broad shotgun sample of data from stool. Wow. That's fascinating, Peter, and and it sounds promising. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we got into this pretty deep conversation, critical care, and and how samples of like sublingual CO two are just as effective at understanding a patient's condition as if you were to put in. I forget the name of that tool, but you put it all the way into the stomach. And it's just like all tied together, and it's super intriguing that you guys yeah. sort of are. are piecing this together to find out the efficacy of, of these drugs. Yeah, it, it's fascinating because, you know, we, we're realizing that the microbiome is like, it's like a whole new organ. If you look at, you know, a human being, if you just take a, a person, your genome has like 23, 24, you know, 23,000 genes, basically. And yet your microbes that live in you and on you have over 3 million. So wow. if you as a sort of whole organism are mostly bacterial genes, and yet we don't know much about what these do, and we don't know much about uh, how we can like take control of their behavior to achieve outcome. And it's ironic because you know Hippocrates thousands of years ago said, you know, all what is it? Something like all disease begins in the gut or something like that. Wow. And it turns 
turns out that unbeknownst to him exactly how that was true, that may in fact be much truer than we thought. That's pretty cool, man. And that's kind of like how the humanities here intersects with science. And, <laughs> right. and dude, your, your perspective is really cool. And I love this approach that you guys have taken, just using new technologies and applying them in a way that'll help treat these these very dangerous diseases. Cancer is a, yeah. is a big deal. I mean, a lot, so many people die of it. And if we have a more effective way of treating it, you're making the world a better place. So kudos well, to you and your team, I my friend. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And so we'll open up here for some more a little bit later, listeners. I mean, definitely want to dig into this company and the things that they're up to. But I wanted to dive into some of your stories. You've been through several different companies. You're doing a lot of great yeah. things in medicine. Share with the listeners a time when you failed and what yeah. you took from that lesson. Absolutely. So I harken back to kind of two other companies I've, I've worked on. One was a, uh, a life sciences company. This is probably 2011, uh, where I was the, the sole founder and CEO of a company called Excedia. And we made a tool. We don't operate anymore. We made a tool called Omicware, let you kind of design analysis pipelines for DNA in the cloud and, and run these analyses and manage your analysis projects in the cloud. And it was all very exciting stuff, but I remember very distinctly managing that process at two really important lessons came to mind. You know, we got funding to build a certain spec of this tool. We had deadlines, milestones, burn rate, all those things. Although it ended up being okay when we finally were able to produce it and, and render it on, onto the institute we were partnered with, I did not do a very good job, in my own opinion, of identifying what of the many features was most valuable. And I think for anyone who builds stuff or manages people, this is a, a hard skill to get right and like a very easy skill to get wrong. I spent a lot of time saying, well, we can do all these things. We can have all these features. We can have, you know, this widget does that and this widget does that. I did not do a good time of, a good job of sequencing when you need to nail those things. And what is really important is you have to pare down things you do to be what are if I could only pick two or three things that worked, what are those things going to be? Let me do those now. Only once those are done. Yes. And let me think about the other ones. And let me continually validate whether the things are valuable. Just because I think they're cool doesn't mean that they're worth anything. I think that's a, I've gotten that wrong a number of times. That is a very important lesson to learn. Is you got to be open to externally validating, get people's opinions, pace yourself, and focus on surefire, easy wins up front, put fluff on the back burner. So that's a big lesson. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And what a succinct way of saying it, Peter. It definitely a good takeaway. Listeners, we all are guilty of falling in love with our ideas. And in this area that we all work in of health, it's so important that we validate to Peter's point, because if we don't, a lot of time flies by, your burn rate just will put you out of business eventually. But Peter, your idea of just focusing on that one or two things, if I had to throw everything else out the window, what one or two things will I focus on? Yeah, yeah, it's key. It's key. It's tactical. And so these invaluable experiences, Peter, I'm sure you're, you're bringing into your new role here with the, the new company. Absolutely, yeah. What would you say some of the greatest things you've done and you're most proud of in, in medicine to date? So this would be kind of, a, let's say this would be two years ago. Yeah. So when I was a, a resident, a co-resident, uh, one of my good friends, John and I, we started a, a company called Hedera Technologies. 
And our goal really was not a bioinformatic, it was operational analytics. Uh, so we, we're, you know, clinical lab people. We sit uh, in the core laboratories of the hospital. So it's a nice vantage point from which to do things like ops analytics, because you see all the tests go in, you see them all go out, you see turnaround mm-hmm. time, you see ordering behavior, right? So we thought this is really, uh, this will be good. Let's build a dashboard. Let's build a, a platform where you can easily get metrics and turn around and look at things and predict things. We didn't have a great insight into how complex deploying operational software in a healthcare setting really is. And it was an amazing journey to say from when we decided we want to build this <laughs> to finally yeah. rolling it out a year and a half later. What I was really proud of us for is um, really going through getting stakeholders interested, involved, building will, not cutting corners, not going behind the back of a process, doing it the right way through you know, your security validation, through your beta and pilot, getting your spec looked at by all the health IT uh, department, all the things that you have to do to really do healthcare IT and roll out something in a hospital. We kind of spearheaded and did ourselves and it was painful, but it was great to do it and see that thing actually get turned on. And it's still running now and it still does its job there. And uh, I was just proud of us for pulling that off because, you know, deploying things in a hospital is, it's not just building. Building's critical, but it's political. You have to be able to work with the organization. You have to be able to work with people. That's for sure. And then and layering in all the HIPAA and, and yeah. policies and safety, you know, cybersecurity is a very real thing. This is great. And kudos to you and your and your friend. Now you guys it's your legacy there, right? You what you've right. done will continue to help them, even though you're not yeah. there anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And and listeners, this is another point, right? Like if you if you look, Peter was in the facility. You know, he's a physician in the facility. And it still took him and his friend a year and a half to get this done. Now, I hope that tells you something. (laughs) I believe that we could get a lot of unique thinking from outside of healthcare and we need it, right? We need it to make it better. And at the same time, don't think that you could build a business and be successful without the help of clinicians or the people, your stakeholders. That's key number one mistake. Uh, And Peter, obviously you did it and it still took you a while. Absolutely, yeah. You have to work through people. You know, hospitals, as you know, they're they're huge organizations. They have a lot of moving parts and engineering is only one. It's important. I would never devalue it, but it's only one piece of a very large pie. And and you got to kind of see it from the perspective of some other people too. I I myself had a tendency certainly to be frustrated saying, well, you know, what's the problem? I built it. It runs. It passed tests. Why can't we just turn it on? And you don't consider that like, uh, from the perspective of the IT security guy, this is the 800th app he has to roll out and he didn't build it. It's not his baby, but you got to get him invested enough to help you move forward. You got to work with people, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And if you're a tech leader listening to this episode, I am sure that Peter would love to connect with you and uh, maybe share some ideas to help your company impact health in a good way. Absolutely. And when at the end of the podcast, Peter will share his contact information so that you have it. Peter, tell us about an exciting project. Let's go back to the idea that you guys are working on this business of the biome and oncology. Give us an exciting focus that you're working on today with it. Absolutely. So we're looking at how we can use the microbiome itself, the profiles and signatures in the microbiome to tell whether an individual patient will respond uh, to immune checkpoint therapy, which is a category of chemo. And it's really fascinating because the way we're 
what I like about it, to kind of geek out on, on a moment, is you know, we, we are using neural networks to do this. And I feel like machine learning and AI are very hyped, and there's a lot of misapplication of them. Um, but what's really fun about this project is that there's a genuine use case for why, for why it would apply here. And it's just really exciting to, even in what we've done so far in prototyping, to run these analyses, watch that they do learn patterns, and watch that the patterns are externally validated in the literature. And it's, it's just amazing. Cause it mixes engineering and science and that kind of infectious, like, oh my goodness, it actually worked, aha moment you have when you, when you first build something and you see it complete, that we... We believe the business case is good because cancer is a, a real and pressing illness and that these checkpoint drugs offer a lot of value and need to be enhanced. But we all just love, we love the tech too. We, we, yeah. love, we love working on it and we love watching the code deploy and, and watch the analyses run. It's just fun to do. Yeah, and even more fun part, Peter, will be when you guys start applying it and yeah. you start saving lives. Absolutely. Yes, that brings it all full circle. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Thank you. So Peter, getting to the end here, let's pretend we're building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be uh, successful. The yeah. 101 of Dr. Peter McCaffrey. Yeah. And so we're, we got a syllabus here, four questions. And at the end, I'd love to hear about a book and a podcast that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. What's the best way to improve health outcomes? I think you have to measure. You have to measure well, measure everything. You got to know where you are. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Honestly, I think it's a tendency to have this a reliance on black box tools. You can't turf analysis to just a tool you bought and leave it at that. You have to understand what's happening. I love that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think you have to focus back on fundamentals. I think you have to make, especially uh, as a physician informaticists, you got to commit to knowing, sharpening your skills, knowing your chops, knowing analysis, knowing how to look at measurements and make conclusions. And you stick to that. Everything else is subservient to that. You'll be good. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in your health organization? Uh, so the way that we like to, to say it for, uh, for us uh, is you got to question everything and try anything. Never assume because uh, general opinion says something won't work that it, that it won't work. You'd be surprised. <laughs> That's beautiful. What book and what podcast would you recommend? Yeah, so for a podcast, uh, Cloudera, C-L-O-U-D-E-R-A. Uh, if you're into big data and data science, Cloudera has a really, really great podcast. Where they talk about cool. their tech and people from industry. For a book, it's kind of interesting. One of my favorite books ever that I read in uh, medical school, actually, is Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune, a sci-fi novel. D-U-N-E? Uh, Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first one, just because it tells a story of a guy who has all these what look like magical powers, but it turns out, you know, that it's not magic in that universe. The guy has a, you know, ability to take information, synthesize it and see the future. I think that's what we should think about in healthcare. Like there's no magic here. There's skill and there's knowledge and we can all get there. We can all do that. What a great, great thought there, Peter. And listeners, don't worry about writing any of this down. You could get links to Dune, Cloudera, as well as all of the Q&A that we've just been chatting here with Dr. McCaffrey. You can find all of that at outcomesrocket.health slash Peter M. So Peter, take us down here, bring us to a good close. What would you say to the listener as a closing thought and then share where you could best be contacted? Yeah, my closing thought would be medicine, for all the great things that's been, that have been done in medicine, there's so much more that hasn't been done. And today could be the beginning of a, a life-changing project for anyone listening to this. And go out there, 
Google what you're passionate about, learn a bit about it, roll up your sleeves and get cracking and you can get farther than you, you ever thought you could. I, I can testify to that. That's um, awesome. For my email address, I guess my main one would be P McCaffrey. That's P M C C A F F R E Y P McCaffrey at T M C edu. Outstanding. And we'll also include links here to Peter's LinkedIn, anything on Twitter or anything else like that, that you'd like for the listeners to know about. I should have a Twitter. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know, I, I actually didn't have one. And um, as I was building the podcast, Peter, I had a couple friends, notably Nick Atkins from the Pink Sox movement. He's like, oh, you, oh, yeah. you just need a Twitter account, period. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good share I'll, space. I'll but go make one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, so listeners, we'll, again, we'll, we'll include uh, Peter's email and his LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with him. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash Peter M and you're going to find all of that as well. Peter, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom. And we're really excited to see how the company turns out. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. If you want the show notes, inspiration, transcripts, and everything that we talked about on this episode, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And again, don't forget to check out the amazing Healthcare Thinkathon, where you can get together to form the blueprint for the future of healthcare. You can find more information on that and how to get involved in our theme, which is implementation is innovation. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash conference. That's outcomesrocket.health slash conference. Be one of the 200 that will participate. Looking forward to seeing you there.